Yo, yo, yo. Hello, my friend. <laughs> what up? Oh, oh my gosh. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another week of Case Files with Kat and Ashley. We should just say Ashley. No, I'm just <laughs> Um, so, uh, we do have a voicemail, I'm assuming. I was actually just like, shit, I'm so unprepared again. I bet there is. And oh, so, Sarah, Sarah just texted. I forgot my voicemail. I'm doing it now. Okay, so it's we're gonna incoming. we're gonna <laughs> put that at the end of the episode. So be sure to stick around for that because it is good. <laughs> I already know what she's going to talk about, and I oh. haven't talked to you Look about you it. Getting spoilers. Well, I was there. <laughs> oh. I was there. You guys hear this? I'm just left out of everything. Well, I have, I didn't want to spoil it for you. Um, so, anyway. Yes, but... I will check it at the end of the episode, because she currently says that she's leaving it right now. Okay, well, she is so late. Okay, but um, what are you drinking? Whatever your wonderful husband made me because Flash you producer. tried to kill me by tricking me I didn't and giving, I didn't having know. me take a sip of an IPA. I didn't know. I thought I was going to fucking die. She goes, oh. <laughs> she was so extra. Um, it was so bad, guys. So bad. It's from your favorite. drama go to theater class okay what are you drinking Um, what do you got you got cool can art i got a cool i have amazing can art i mean it's always amazing but look at that (laughs) this is like it's it's so cool so this is a new one so it is also from shiner and you know how how i've had the brujas brew and the desert mirage well this is their twin dream double ipa if you are in texas um get this i haven't taken a sip yet but it's I already know it's going to be delicious. So yay for Shiner. Woo. Oh, that's good. That is a um, uh, double India pale ale brewed with cactus water, 9.5%. So if I make it through this can by the end of the episode, we'll be fine. I'm going to be lit. No, I'm just kidding. Um, Sarah says that she just got done leaving her Sarah's. Okay, so well. <laughs> We'll do that at the end because we're going to need a laugh. Okay. I promise you. Okay. okay. So my question of the week was predictive text. And I am sort of moving us through the beginning of our yes. episode because I got shit to say. And <laughs> I know that we're going to need all the time. Okay. So it was a predictive text. Mm-hmm. I am blank. Your name. Which of blank. Mm-hmm. Fear me because blank. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what's yours? <laughs> Mm-hmm. Mine is mm-hmm. mine is I am Ashley. Mm-hmm. Which of you and your family? Which of you and your family? Oh fear God. me because I don't want you to be a good person. <gasps> my new phone is already with the time. It's already feeling my vibe. So it's already got me down. She's already got you, boo. She's got <laughs> she already you. knows what's up. <laughs> she knows what's up. Okay, we mine, have some good answers. Mine, a oh really oh good. I'm glad finally. All right, so I'm like, my questions of the week never do well. Okay, so mine was, I am Cat. Which of the people <laughs> fear me because I have a bad attitude? Oh, wow. <laughs> Which, full disclosure, 
was totally true when I did this on Sunday. Like, it absolutely was true. I was like, oh, damn, it reads me. My phone I, reads me. I did this like the day you posted it. And I was like, oh, I have to screenshot that because there's nothing as good as that. Nothing else will be as good. You felt seen. I felt seen. This is this. Yes. I think my phone felt my vibe because I was like in the worst mood. Sorry, Jason. Um, okay. Okay. So this is a story. I'm going to, I just have to get into it. Seriously. Okay. Seriously. Okay. I got it. Go. Oof. Good. Ready. It's hefty. Me and Kevin are like prepared. I, I put Kevin at your spot because you're gonna need him. Okay, so this is a story that I once again got. There's a straw. There's a straw. I know, but it's I was trying clink, to make clink, the ice clink, not clink. jiggle too. Like the ice is jiggling. Okay, I'm sorry. Hold on. Okay. Serious mo go. Okay. It's your husband's fault. He gave it to me. I know. I'm like, put he's it in plastic. Put he's going to be the one that has to edit it out. So, you know. <laughs> he's a fucking wizard. He is a wizard. Okay. So, as I was saying, this is a story that I got once again from my Audible list. And I just went through, like I told you um, last time, I was like, true crime. Oh, that looks good. That looks good. That looks good. I didn't really do too much research mm -hmm. into if they were actually good or not. And um, I have not been disappointed. So this once again comes from the author Greg Olson, who also wrote Abandoned Prayers about the Amish serial killer. Oh, So same author. This dude did not disappoint. I was like 100% riveted. The performance of the person reading it could not, I actually went in and looked for another book that she narrated. Cause I was like, what else has she done? Cause I, I'm going to listen yeah. to her. That's my problem with audiobooks is I usually hate the person narrating. So I can't she, get through it. Even Jason was like, man, she's doing great. Oh, Cause there's so up. many different voices and you have to know when the narrator is speaking and then know when it's a character. Yeah. And, and she does such a good job. Okay. Really, really. Um, so anyway, Greg Olson, this is a book. Um, called If You Tell, and it's a tough read. Uh, it was researched very well. Uh, he was actually asked by the family members to write this book. Oh. It was very important for them. That was in 2017, I believe, that, that started. Um, so this is not that old of a book. Uh, but he really goes in and it's memory it's memory of conversations it's it's also what was reported investigated investigatively you know like by the police things like that so there's there's enough of a paper trail and it's newer enough it's within you know the last 25 years all of this happened so like there's there is a lot of history that's yeah. tangibly available to him. So he got a lot done anyway. So I'm going to, there is so much packed into this. There are so many memories. There are so many examples of the evil of this woman who is known as the, um, America's most evil mom. That's a rough title in this country. <laughs> um, and it, she's been called that. Right. Um, uh, all over the world. It, um, this is America's most evil mom. Um, she, 
but there's so there's so many examples that all of her children have given and I I'm it, it's going to feel like at the end I kind of speed up because there it, it just there's so much there's so much and I don't want to minimize what she did but I'm trying to keep this in a reasonable time frame so um uh disclaimer if you are cautionary tale here that there is going to be very graphic uh descriptions of abuse to children and um uh, and to adults uh and so i there's domestic violence yes but just very sadistic um narcissistic things and so heads up this is going to keep making noises. Oh, I was okay. trying to make less noise and I make more noise. So sorry. that's okay. That's his fault for giving him a metal straw. <laughs> All right. Um, but uh, anyway, I just heads up. It's not, it's not going to be a fun, fun story. And I know everyone's like, God, cat, why do you always do these fucking stories? But here, here we are. All right. Let's just get into it. All right. So um, my story tonight is about a woman named Michelle or Shelly Notek. Have you heard of her? I have not. I hadn't. I didn't want to look the story up. Oh, good. Thank you. Okay. So, yeah. So, uh, I had not heard of her, which surprises me because it's not that old of a story and it's been in the news quite a bit lately. And I'll get into that later. But so, Michelle Shelley Notek, um, Shelley, was born Michelle Watson in 1954 to Les and Sharon Watson. She was the oldest of three kiddos um, that they had. Uh, there was Shelly, who was the oldest, then there was Chuck, and then there was Paul. And Les eventually left Sharon with the three kids. He said that she was a depressive alcoholic. She was a very, and there's one picture that is, there, there might be two, but there's one picture that is, is sort of like, that's, this is Shelly's mom. She looks pissed off and it's a black and white photo. And she, I think it's the sun sort of shining in her eyes, but she just yeah. looks pissed off. It's probably not um, far from who she actually was. Like yeah. she just does, didn't look like a very happy person. Anyway, um, so he left, left her with the children. And I guess there was some kind of communication between them that if he ever got remarried, he would take on the kids. Um, and so he did eventually get married. He um, lied about his age and married a very young, beautiful. He was a very popular dude, but young, um, beautiful woman named Laura. And, uh, well, she's named Laura in the book. Greg Olson changed her name. So Laura Watson was not really her, that was not her first name. Okay. Um, I think she wanted to be a little bit unfindable after all of this. Um, yeah. Uh, so Sharon, after, after Laura and Les got married, Sharon called and says, well, when are you going to come and pick up these damn kids? And Sharon's like, I let, uh, Laura was like, oh, well, damn, I didn't know he had three children. Oh, so damn. she was like, okay, well, what is she going to do? She married this guy. There's these children. Um, and he explained to her that these kids are with this person who is unhealthy. Um, and so she didn't really have a choice. And so she took on the two oldest kids, Shelly and Chuck. Um, and when... Sharon dropped, when she dropped those kids off, that was pretty much the last those two children ever saw her, oh. ever saw of her. She pretty much just bounced as a mom. 
Um, there weren't Christmas cards. There weren't birthday cards. There was no, there were no phone calls. There was nothing. She just was like, you're your dad's problem now. Um, at this point, Shelly was six. Chuck was about three. Um, when all of this happened and right away, you could see that something wasn't right with these two kids. Um, Chuck didn't speak. Shelly spoke for him. If he was asked a question, she would answer for him. Um, she was his boss. This is at six and three. Oh, wow. Um, their neighbor told Laura that, um, it's Laura, L-A-R-A, but Laura, I don't know, um, that he could see Chuck in his bedroom window, sometimes just crying. Oh, wow. And he, that happened a lot. That's so sad. Like, who knows what was happening in that poor child's mind. Uh, meanwhile, Sharon was living in Northern California, um, and they were, this is, they were, they were living in, um, uh, battle, uh, battlefield, uh, Washington battle. Oh my God. It's, it's, I'm going to get it. It's in there somewhere. It's in my brain somewhere. Anyway. So she was living in Northern California. And so she went out to drop them off, went back down and she was in a very abusive relationship and she was living on what they said was skid row. So this is, you know, yeah. back in the day where that's what they called the bad part of town was skid row. And so she was living on skid row, somewhat homeless, um, abusing drugs and alcohol and um, was murdered by her boyfriend. And so Paul, the youngest had less had to go identify the body. And then, um, uh, this was like seven years after, after all of this went down with, with her dropping off the other two. So Les went down, identified the body and took Paul back up to Washington with him. So now Laura has just married into a ready-made family. She's got the two older ones, Shelly and Chuck. And now there's Paul, who is the youngest. When Shelly, who is now 13, was told of her mother's passing, she was like, okay. Like, no no reaction. Yeah. She hadn't spoken to her mom. She never had asked about her mom. Laura said, like, once her mom was gone, she had zero interest in what was happening with her mom. Yeah. So... Only Shelly knows what those years entailed mm-hmm. um, because nobody's, nobody knows. Nobody knows what happened to her as a kid Yeah, in those first six years. Um, so now Paul, Paul was the wild child. Um, he would get up on the counters looking for food. He would, I mean, like jump up, open the cabinets, look for food. If he didn't see something he liked, he would just throw it out onto the floor. Oh. Like, like almost cartoonish, like bloom, bloom, bloom. Yeah. It makes me think like in my, in my mind as like someone who was like brought up by monkeys or wolves or something, just very very unsupervised, very unsupervised, eat eat or be eaten. Yeah. Very, you know, like poor impulse control, just wild. Yeah. Um, it just, I, I feel like he had to serve. That's how he had to survive. But this little motley crew of children was 100% run by Shelly. Whatever Shelly wanted, Shelly got. 100%. She was the she was the boss of those two children. She was the willful one. Chuck was the silent one. Paul was the wild one. Holy hell. That just sounds yeah. like a nightmare. 
Shelly was immediately the hardest one to deal with. Everyone had their own problems, but she was very, very difficult to deal with. If she didn't get away, get her way, she wouldn't just throw tantrums. She would, she would find another way to get what she wanted. And she would be able to manipulate everybody in every situation. She found that one little thing and she could just wear somebody down um, her stepmom would buy her all these nice clothes and she would complain about it. And um, so she started taking, um, she would leave for school, packing in her bag another set of clothes on her way to school, stop at the gas station, change and leave the brand new clothes in the bathroom. Oh my God. And what the gas station called her mom. I mean, that's like, you know, not a very big town. They're yeah. like, uh, there's a girl that keeps coming in here and is leaving. So sure enough, uh, uh, Laura went to the gas station and all of these brand new clothes were left at the gas That's station. It's crazy that it's so small that the gas station knew who to call. Because here, you would never know. I mean, you would never know. They're like, there's a girl, I think that's your daughter. Like, you know, yeah. Um, and just, just, just a little bitch, right? Um, she was always giving Lara a hard time, always telling her how much she hated her, what a horrible mom she was, just was just, uh, just relentless. She, it was, she was never happy. It was always just mean, 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 mean. Um, and, uh, uh, Les, on the other hand, was, saw her as like a princess sort of treated her like a princess. I mean, that's daddy's little girl. I don't know if that's how he felt about it, but in Laura's eyes, even as an adult, Shelly was his princess, you know? So it was very weird. Um, it, but, and this is a quote from the book. Shelly's behavior began to change from being merely disruptive and ungrateful to dark and vengeful. End quote. She hated anyone getting attention. So when the two brothers are both there and they got any attention, she would find a way to circle it back and be the center of attention, good or bad. It wasn't usually bad. Yeah. It wasn't ever like, I'm going to clean the house and get lots of A's. And, you know, like it, it was always like, I'm going to find a way to have everybody turn around and look at me and talk about me and worry about me. Um, and so uh, at one point, and this is even before she was a teenager, she would break up glass. Yeah. And put it in her brother's shoes. Oh, my God. I mean, that is the first sign of how this. I don't feel like that's the first sign, but it's definitely a sign. It's. Who does shit like that? Yeah. Who? That's who? What, but I think there was like more signs leading up to this. Oh, I know. But that's like straight. That's <laughs> a psychopath. That's, that's that is. Uh, OK. Her grandmother, though, was her teacher. Not Sharon's mom, but Les's mom. Her name was Anna Watson. And this woman was a woman to be feared. She actually ran one of the nursing homes that Les and Laura owned. Um, they were successful business people. They owned several of these. And so Anna ran one of them. And Anna hated Laura just as much as Shelly did. Am I buzzing or is that you? That's you. Oh, okay. Sorry. 
um, she was just mean to be mean. She yeah. it just mean to be mean. And, and, um, Anna ran, uh, that nursing home with an iron fist and it had, had to be done her way or you would feel her wrath. She would even give employees swirlies. Oh my God. And then like verbally abuse them, call them all the R word, call them all kinds of like awful things. Just like, those are my R words. Like, but people kept working there. I mean, if you don't have that many places to, you're in a rural location, you gotta, I mean, she was just mean and she just hated Laura. So anything that (laughs) Jason I can't. No more. Oh wait, there's no more ice. So okay. I can drink it normally. Okay. <laughs> so Shelly started to go to the nursing home where Anna worked after school, and um, instead of going home, and then Laura would be worried, would call, and yeah, she's here, so she would go and pick her up, and uh, and she would always end up being yelled at by Anna, like how what a bad mom Laura was. Well, you don't brush her hair properly, so I cut it, and. Shelly had this beautiful, long, wavy, red, just beautiful hair. And her, and, and Anna chopped it off. Not nicely. She had no scissoring skills. Yeah. And she's like, see, you don't know how to brush it. So I cut it. Shelly was mortified, but she didn't say anything. She was like, well, you don't. What do you, you know, you can't, you can't complain. That's her, that's her hero. And she knows why she's doing it. She's watching everything, right? Anna was also married. Anna had a husband. He was a sweet, gentle, he was smaller than Anna. Um, and he was just not forceful at all. And for 20 years, two zero, 20 years, George slept outside of the house in an eight by eight shed just outside of the back door slept in a shed because Anna did not want him in the house. This was Shelly's teacher. She was soaking in everything. Yeah. So at 15, Shelly got worse. Um, she told school officials that Les, her dad, um, was raping her. Oh my God. Um, So she went to a juvenile facility, Yes, Kevin. She went to a juvenile facility so that, so like she went to school, told them this and they took her out and she, so she went into like authority, you know, custody into some kind of custody to be out of that house while they did the investigation. They didn't call lesson Laura. They didn't, no one knew. So Laura's like, where's my daughter? She didn't come home. Have she, have you seen her? And they're like, She's at, ju- at a juvenile facility. Well, why? We can't tell you. You can go to such and such. They were really cold. And she was like, something is up. And she thought, did she put glass in someone's shoes? Yeah. Did she steal something? Did she vandalize something? So they went up to the school. They weren't told anything. Finally, they were like, she's, she's accused you less of, of raping her. And they really took her word for it because they were very cold, very, they were dumbfounded. Just Laura was pissed. Actually, Laura was just pissed off. Like here she goes again with her tantrums. Yeah. 
So they go back to the house and Laura goes into her room and Shelly's a fucking slob. And so she's like, there's dirty dishes and clothes and everything. Right. So she puts her hand under the bed and she felt a, um, a magazine under the mattress. So she pulls it out and it's one of these true crime magazines back in the day. Yeah. And it says, my dad raped me when I was 15. And basically this chick plagiarized this magazine story and told it to school officials. The doctor who was giving her the um, SANE exam, the, the doing the rape kit, they were like, uh, she's still intact in, in, in quotes, yeah. I'm doing intact. So her hymen was still there. This girl has never been touched. That is not, this is not an accurate uh, uh, accusation. So the school, obviously, and this, he was a chair of a chamber of commerce, Les was. He was a prominent business official. He was a part of like Rotary and all these, yeah. like, he was like people we know. And you know what I mean? Like yeah. this could have ruined him. Yeah. And he, I mean, they were just, just dumbfounded. So, um, he, he, he goes back to the school. Shelly gets kicked out of that high school. They're like, we don't want you. You're a troublemaker. We don't want anything to do with you anymore. Sorry, but you're kicked out of this high school. Yeah. And she's just like, yeah, so I don't care. She didn't care. She didn't care. So when she got kicked out of school, did she care? Nope. When she was told that there's no way that you were raped, did she care? Nope. Did she ever apologize to her dad or admit that she lied? Nope. Never. Not once. Never, ever, ever. So after seeing all kinds of psychiatrists, which is what everyone was saying, she needs to go see a psychiatrist. The psychiatrists were like, this isn't working. This is not for her. And I think they, yeah, I think they realized before there was a diagnosis that this was this this person was probably narcissistic, probably yeah. criminally insane. Um, she loved the chaos that it caused, but yeah. everyone was paying attention to her. Yeah. Um, and she so side note, I was on a plane a couple of weeks ago to go to L.A. Right. And I saw my neighbor and I was like, hey, come sit next to me. And he saw that I was reading this book because I actually got the physical copy of it yeah. so I could take notes. And he was like, so this is the kind of person I would not want in my mental hospital because there's no helping her. This is a person who is, yes, crazy in like quotation marks, but not medicated wise, not treat. She's not treatable. She's like, this is, he said, this is the kind of person you would want in a prison. This is a criminally insane person because of her behavior like early early on like there's no remorse there's no accountability there's just not a care for anyone else's feelings or it's just all about her 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 she he's like that's like exact opposite person that would be let in to a psychiatric hospital yeah because that's oosh, oosh. anyway i digress so laura's at her wits end she's like fuck this kid's 15 she has to be in school she can't be at my house all day. 
she needs to get an education. Like she needs to still like try to like live her life as a normal person. Yeah. Um, so she tried to get her into this fancy schmancy private school and they're like, yeah, no, we looked you up and no way. Like they, yeah. they just straight flat out said, no, thank you. Yeah. She offered more money. Oh, wow. They said no. So then she found a, um, uh, a Catholic school sort of boarding school kind of place and they took her it was far enough away yeah. so they took her so for but they had to go every weekend to pick her up right and she hated that um laura hated that or she laura like hated that. that she was just like oh she's not around and then every friday she'd get real anxious like oh yeah. god i gotta have this person back at my house so yeah that was that was really crappy for for laura anyway so she at the end of that year got kicked out of that boarding school because she was putting glass in her classmates shoes. She would, she would uh, cheat. She would lie. She would uh, just bully people. She she was just a horrible, horrible human being. And so, yeah, they're like, Nope, get out of here. Um, then, um, see, I have to sort of like, there's so many stories and so many examples. I'm just going to kind of like get through the beginning of her life because we're we not even, even talked about her, her being a mother yet. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> so, um, finally she went to go, um, she lived with, uh, uh, Laura's parents. That was a horrible situation. Then she lived with, um, uh, with Les's, with Les's sister. Um, and, she was, she would give the sob story about, oh, Les and Laura are so mean to me. And Laura's the worst mom ever. And my real mom was murdered and abandoned me. And so there was just like, there's like sob, sob, sob story. And yeah. so, um, the aunt was like, okay, oh God, poor baby, come and live. You can come and live here and fin you know, go to school here. And so Laura's like, Psh, go ahead. Peace yeah. out. She didn't correct her. She didn't say, she is lying to you. She is going to ruin your life. Yeah. She didn't say any of that. And so off Shelly goes to go live with this aunt. And by the time it's all said and done, her aunt and uncle are getting divorced. And Shelly's like, bye. That was so great. I'm so glad I was here. Because <laughs> she just like ruined their marriage. She basically caused accuse, accu accusations once again. She would like, um, offer, she, I love to babysit kids and then she would babysit them and then she would leave and the kids would be like, uh, she locked us in the room all night and wouldn't let us come out because she was watching TV. She'd be like, oh, let me help you with the dishes. And then she would just throw the dishes away, even the pots and pans. She wouldn't do the dishes. She would just throw it all away. She was just a horrid, horrid, horrid child. I, 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 I can, I can see why people were just like, ugh. She just ruined everything. She loved it. Um, but it was at her aunt's house, um, her senior year that she on the East coast, when she was 17, that she met husband number one, they weren't, they were just dating in high school, but, um, that's where they met Randy Rivardo. Um, he was head over heels for this gorgeous redhead and they dated. It was great. And then she left after that year to go back to Washington. And, um, sooner or later she ended up calling him and was like, how would you like to come here while you and work live rent free in one of my dad's places? He'll give you a job and you could save money to go to college, which is what he was trying to do. Yeah. And he was like, 
God, rent free a job. Hmm. Okay. He so he goes. I mean, just Venus flytrap. And he says that it felt like they were already planning the wedding by the time he got out there. They got married so quickly that Les found him his groomsman because he had no friends there yet. His family didn't even go to the wedding because Shelly didn't send them an invitation. She was just like, it was just, nope. It's all about me. I don't want you being the center of attention. So it was all about her. She had her little dream number one wedding. Venus flytrap. I'm telling you. Yeah. Um, So Randy was working as a maintenance man. They were living in a a little trailer kind of thing. um, Rent free. She hated it. Uh, she was just like, she wanted a cute little house and, you know. The one that got them in this trailer? Uh Uh-huh. Well, they moved into the trailer after they got married. So he was living in a little apartment. And so this is like a bigger Uh, place. It was like, I mean, it was a nice trailer, right? She wanted a house. I know. I mean, she was super lazy. She didn't want to work. Her dad actually fired her because apparently her periods lasted every day of the month and she would complain about her cycles. So she just always had a period and, Oh, I'm crampy. And so like she, he was like, Oh my gosh, you're fired. Like, you know, imagine having to fire your own daughter. Um, she didn't cook. She didn't, she didn't know how to cook. So she didn't cook. She didn't clean. She watched a lot of TV and complained about where they lived. And, um, She complained to her dad about not wanting to live in the free mobile home that he was providing. Um, And when he he said, no, like you're, this is where you're going to live because you got to get a job. She faked a home invasion. Faked a home invasion. I was like, but I don't feel safe here. Really? They had to know it was a fake. I mean, with all her other behavior. Then when she was like, I want a new Volkswagen bug. He comes home with a brand new Buick con- pink convertible car and she throws a tantrum, stomps around, then fakes an overdose to the point of having her stomach pumped when the doctor says there was like six aspirin in her stomach. She faked, she faked it. She had her stomach pumped unnecessarily because she didn't get the new car that she wanted she got a different new car uh-huh uh-huh pay attention to me oh my god she was spending she was spending money like no tomorrow like she was just spending 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 running up a tab all over town randy was like please stop making letting her spend shit like we don't have the money his yeah. his credit was just getting ruined um in 1974 so this was oh god where am I? This was like 1972. So then in 1974, they found out they were pregnant and everybody was like, oh God, maybe this is going to make things better. And Randy's came, Randy's family comes out to Washington and visits, brings all the, the excitement and all the baby toys and clothes yes. and everything like that. And Shelly was pissed. She was pissed. Stayed in her room, didn't come out. Wouldn't that have been attention for her? I don't understand. <sighs> no, because it was attention to the baby. Oh my God. So she was pissed. And so she stayed in her room and Randy's like, well, fuck it. I'm going to go hang out with my family. Um, but 
they left all these presents and, um, uh, they brought him this, this sort of like a, a, a candy, like a taffy to bat. They brought it to Br- battleground Washington for him from his grandfather. He couldn't fly for the grandfather. And when, by the time they left and Randy tasted his grandfather's candy, the one that was left for him, it was like salty. Shelly had like gone in and ruined all the candy. All the other batches were fine, but not the one that was left for Randy. His sister left some clothes behind and Shelly was like, Oh, I'll, I'll send it to you. And when it got to his sister, it was all cut up like into shreds, but the box was just fine. And Shelly was like, Oh, I guess that happened at the post office. So baby Nikki was born in 1975 and she was gorgeous, just a perfect baby. But you could tell Shelly had no idea what it took to be a mother, you know, like caring about somebody else other than yourself. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Laura was actually there every day for months um, to help. She actually didn't trust Shelly. Neither did Randy, but he was also like, uh, we can't be with your mom every single day. So when when they left, Laura would still go and visit all the time. They weren't far apart, but yeah. she would still visit. She was really worried about Nikki, honestly. Um, but things with Randy weren't any better between Randy and Shelly. Um, he was starting to sleep in the car. Sound familiar? Um, and Shelly talked to her, talked her dad into just going ahead and forwarding all of Randy's checks to her. Oh my God. All of his paychecks. This ensured that Randy had to come home. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Um, but he still had to work. Shelly was still running up all their debts. Um, it was a horrible situ- situation. And Randy didn't trust Shelly, but he had to get out of there. And so he did. He went back to the East Coast. She talked him into trying to reunite. So, you know, he, he was like, okay, but figured out like, uh, nope, took two weeks. <laughs> that reunion yeah. took two weeks. Um, and she, and That's he left. Leaving. Um, um, I think that, uh, I think that it was hard on him because there was Nikki. Yeah. But, it was self-preservation. Yeah. Uh, he had to leave. Like, Les had to leave Sharon. It was self-preservation. There's this child. I'll take the child whenever you tell me to take the child. But, like, I'm, you know, yeah. this was in the 70s. It wasn't, I, I don't know. I don't know. Um. So, anyway. So, at this point, Shelly sort of dropped off the face of the earth, for which was fine, really. Um. She was chaos- personified uh but laura wanted to see nikki and she kept trying to find her and with no luck and then one day a friend called laura and said you got to come get nikki because shelly left left her with me a month ago and hasn't been back and so laura was like yes she goes she grabs nikki brings her home and just loves on this baby she called her thumper um, loved on this baby as much as she could. And it wasn't until uh, almost a year later before Shelly ended up coming back to get Nikki. 
And there was no apology. There was no explanation. She just showed up, took Nikki, got her stuff, bounced. And um, she ended up moving into an apartment and worked at a bar to make ends meet. And Laura was worried. She was basically just leaving Nikki alone in that apartment. And so she was always trying to call her to see what was what. So she just showed up to the apartment one day and she wasn't home. Neither was Nikki. Nikki wasn't there either, but she wasn't home. But there was a man across the hallway um, who let her into Nick, uh, into Shelly's apartment. Um, and that was Danny Long. And they were kind of like, why does this guy have a key to Shelly's apartment? Well, Danny, it turns out, would become husband number two. Um, and on June 2nd, 1978, are you seeing a pattern? You're looking at me like... He lived across the hallway? Uh-huh. And they were married? No, 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 no. He would become... He would become oh, okay, husband okay, number okay, two. Okay, okay, On June 2nd, 1978, at this point, Grandma Anna had died and left her favorite grandchild her house. So they moved into um, Grandma Anna's house. And that August... Sammy was born. So this is in 1978. This is the second child? Second child. So Danny was a great dad to the girls, but the relationship was just as rocky with Shelly as it was with uh, with Randy, right? Lots of fights. But unlike Randy, Danny stuck up for himself. So it was much more volatile. It was much more combative. And Laura said that there would be holes in the wall and she wasn't sure who did it. She was never sure who was leaving all of that death and destruction, like the yeah. just destruction, you know? And so finally, um, uh, he never, you know, he never hit Shelly. It was never like that, but, uh, she, Laura could never say that it wasn't the same. Um, but, uh, Danny did try to stay in, in, uh, Sammy's life, but, uh, Laura sort of kept, everybody else away. There was a very, uh, she had a very, like it's us against the world way of, of raising those girls. And I, and I, I've seen that kind of behavior. Like this is us. What happens in our family is private. You do not talk about it. You don't let anybody else in. You're sort of like everybody. It is us against the world. And I've seen that in action before. And it's, it's not healthy because if, if people don't open up about what's happening at home, like, yeah, that's just, you're, you don't know, you don't, you're not dealing with that, yeah. that trauma. Right. So, <coughs> sorry, but Danny was, would, um, do something different. He left a lot. He would leave her a lot and would just be like, I'm, I'm going to go get some air. And he would just get in the car and go, well, Shelly would pack up the girls and get in the car and go on the hunt for him. And that was something that um, they talked, they, they would say this a lot about her, that she loved to hunt. Sorry, I had to take a drink. Um, so she would go on the hunt for, um, for, uh, who, a game to her. It, it's absolutely a game. It was a site. It's a cycle of violence, right? Yeah. So if you look at the domestic violence cycle, there's the honeymoon and then it raises up and then there's the the thing and yeah. then she then there's the big conflict there's the big event and then it's like oh well i'm gonna find you and then i'm gonna be sweet again and then it starts all over and you go back to the honeymoon and you go back to that so eventually in 1983 things got too rocky and so danny bounced at that point um it was very hard on the girls because he was 
he was a really good dad and they loved him. And so, um, you know, the girls were always told if a new boy came around that they would have to call him dad. And they hated that because it would, they loved Danny. Danny was just a really good dad. Um, but eventually, uh, Shelly had already found her husband number three in 1983. She had found herself Dave Notek. And so this is, this is the last husband. So for her at this point, um, so Shelly right now in 1983, she's 29. She's two marriages in two kids, uh, from two different fathers. And she was really looking for her next catch because she didn't work and she had a house to pay for. Um, and so she, uh, had the girls call, you know, like I said, every new guy that she tried to bring into their life, dad, even when they were just dating. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and so she, so it was, it was a way for her to expedite the courtship. Right. But Dave, Dave, like that was, she was gorgeous. You know, she was, she was a stunner. I sent you the pictures. She was gorgeous. And so Dave saw this beautiful redhead with a body that anybody just would die for, right? Curves, thin, but curvy, just, just gorgeous. A smile that probably lit up a room. She was a lot of fun. Um, and he fell hard for her and they didn't live in the same city. And he was on the rebound, really. They didn't live on the same, in the same city. So he started making weekly trips to see her. Um, he lived in, uh, Raymond, Washington, which is a little bit more rural. And he was sort of like, I'm going to go to the beach kind of area. And that's how they met. Um, and I would have, I, 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 yes, cat personally probably would have taken it as a sign that the bar where they met burned down the very next day. So there <laughs> wouldn't be a chance for them to have a chance encounter again. Yeah. Um, but, oh, he had gotten her number. And so they kept in touch and started to make these weekly visits. And um, for Shelly, financially, things were not looking good. And she was living in this home that was in her family for generations. It it belonged to her favorite family member. He tried to help her save it, um, but eventually it did go into foreclosure. And it was around this time that she broke the news to Dave that she was dying of cancer. Um, oh and, God. uh, all of that, <laughs> I don't mean to laugh. It's just so ridiculous. And it was around this time that, uh, Nikki was just trying to figure out, like, she was still a very young girl, um, about eight at this time, but she has a very clear memory of her mom is my, do I have a child behind no, me? No, I'm looking right at you. Oh, I'm like, okay. I'm just trying to. Okay, I'm just making yeah. sure. It's like, yeah, ugh, no. I feel like there's a child right here. No, there, well, I don't know if there's a spirit child, but there's no I know. A- actual child Ooh. behind you. It's not a scary story. I'm just, I'm like, I'm just chilling, listening to All right. chaos. It's chaos. It's chaos, right? There's so much. And I told Jason, I'm like, I cut out a lot and still a very long story. So I'm sorry. Okay, so Nikki was about eight. And she has this memory of somebody putting a pillow over her face when she was sleeping and she's fighting it calls for her mom and her mom appears like immediately like too fast yeah for even an eight-year-old like she mommy 
Somebody was putting a pillow over my face. No, honey, that was a bad dream. Nikki, at eight, knew that her mom had just tried to kill her and was gaslighting her. At eight. Knew this about her mother. And she was terrified. Like, that is... At eight years old, I don't, I don't even understand like that. At any age, that would be terrifying. I can't even understand yeah. that. Like, I'm just like, oh my gosh, my kids are seven and nine. Like, what are they going to remember? Oh my God, they're going to remember so much. <laughs> well, they're going to be in therapy later. But I'm not even doing anything nearly as bad. Anyway, so then this is when around this time that Shelly dropped that cancer bombshell. She was like, I'm not going to make it. I don't think I'm going to live another five years or whatever. And... Um, Dave would say later that he didn't marry Shelly just because of the girls, but that was a very big part of it. He loved those girls and he was okay filling in for as a dad because he could see that they needed a dad. Yeah. Um, he came from a really strict sort of household. Like he was beat by his dad, but he always felt like he deserved it. So he was like, you know, they oh, would get perfect for Shelly. Get spanked. You know, like he'd get a whooping, but yeah. he would get himself in trouble. He he was in the army, so he was used to taking orders. So, hmm. Yeah. Perfection. <laughs> She's found her per- perfect mate. Um, uh, so in it became official in December of, uh, on December 28th, 1987, Dave and Shelly Notek were married. One of the witnesses at the wedding was Shelly's hairdresser and best friend friend i'm putting that in quotes um kathy loreno so remember that name in a bit the marriage was almost immediately unhealthy and volatile shocker he was a very calm very cool collected person shelly was like a tornado she she was the tasmanian devil (sighs) right all the time and dave would just be like calm cool collected he never yelled back he never fought back she would hit him she would push him he never did that because that is not how men treat women that was how he was very clear about that yeah men do not do that to women they can do that to him apparently but you do not you you do not retaliate yeah um nikki remembers walking onto the porch of their home and found dave in tears despondent with a gun to his head in suicide position um, and could hear Shelly in the house telling him what a horrible husband he is. You don't love us. You're a fucking sad excuse for a husband. If you loved us, you would work harder and make more money. She was awful, awful. And he was just taking it. And she could see, um, like I said, whatever Shelly wanted, Shelly got. And, um, you don't argue with her. She yelled, you don't yell back. It was just like, that's, she found in Dave what she needed. She needed somebody who was going to do her bidding. Um, it, it, it wasn't that he wouldn't have those heart to hearts. Like this isn't right. You know, this isn't, this isn't okay. Uh, and she would say, yes, this is. This is how people work things out. This is exactly it. This is normal. And he's like, this isn't normal for me. She's like, but this is it. This is it. 
and just would that that cycle of of violence would just continue and it, it it would it would be short sometimes and it would be long sometimes but that cycle continued um she uh they moved into a new place uh in old willapa um into a home they called the Louderbeck house and after the original owners um it was a super cute little house one Shelly wished they owned but they didn't have enough money she should get a job just saying mm-hmm. Um, they always said, uh, she always said she'd get one, uh, a job, I mean, and never, never did. Never one that lasted anyway. Um, so this was the house where all of the bad things started happening in. Not all the- of the bad things? You mean they haven't started happening yet? No, I'm so sorry. I'm trying to go really fast. Oh my goodness. This is the place. Well, it wasn't about going fast. It was just, you've been listing nothing but bad things. And then you're oh, like, oh, this is where I've all been, the bad things happen. It's just like, give you some like context into her life. And I'm like, I'm just, okay. So this is the place where they learned that anything was a weapon, cords, fishing pole, lamp, duct tape, bleach, whatever was closest to her. Okay. Um, she loved spending time thinking about punishments that she was going to do on the girls. Um, any, and anything could set her off or nothing. She could just be like, today I want to beat my children and it would happen. Like she, you're just a bad person. Don't do that again. And I'd be like, Oh God, what did I do? Okay. Guess mom, I, I'll never do that again. Like yeah. they don't, it, these outbursts sort of came out of nowhere. Um, and no rhyme or reason at all. And Nikki would, um, hide her legs by wearing opaque tights to school and no one, no one ever asked her why. Not not gym teachers, nothing. You're wearing opaque tights in summer with gym shorts, and nobody asked her why. God damn it, not one person. Shelly was cruel, just to be cruel. She would give presents at Christmas time and then take them away. She would hide presents and say, Well, where's where is that one present? And she would hide them when the girls were off doing whatever. And then they would be like, I don't know. And then she would be like, God damn it, you ungrateful little bitches. Like, make them tear the house apart and, you know, all night long. And then they would find that one toy hidden somewhere. Like, hidden on purpose. Yeah. By their mother. Um, she told them the well was running dry and they would have to check with her before using the bathroom or taking a shower. She was making life miserable for them. Like the cruelty was the point. Then, then the wallowing started. This was a form of punishment usually only used on Nikki at this point where she would be told to strip down naked and wallow in the mud outside while Dave sprayed her with a hose with Shelly telling him what to do. Spray her with the hose again, Dave. Tell her to wallow, Dave. And then so Dave would be like, Nikki, you have to wallow. Wallow, Nikki, wallow. And she's like, I'm so sorry. Like she was this, yeah. like like an animal. It didn't matter if it was cold outside, hot outside. This is Washington. It's probably always fucking cold there. Yeah. <laughs> Not a lot of sun there, right? Um, No problem. Like that's what they were going to do. And so there was like always sort of this mud pit where that where that happened. Like it was always sort of muddy in that little area. Um, uh, I'm sorry, I lost my place. So Sammy would be watching from the bedroom. Sammy was sort of the golden child and was sort of always the golden child um, to Nikki, the way that 
she saw it. Sammy did get punished, but not quite as much as Nikki did. Um, and not nearly to the degree. So Sammy wasn't really ever made to wallow. I wonder why that was. Um, like, I wonder what about Sammy made Shelly not punished? Age. It, it, I, she was first. Sammy yeah. ended up spending. Their temperaments were also really different. Nikki would say that. Um, Sammy used her humor and I'll, I'll, I'll this, I actually okay, say sorry. this later. She used her humor to get out of things. She didn't fight back as much. Nikki was very defiant. Like I'm not going to do that. And like would run instead of just going ahead and taking the beating. Oh, okay. Um, and then that would make Shelly even angrier. Um, Nikki never buttered her up and Sammy absolutely did. Oh, here you go, mom. I made you this. So sort of like oh, she sort of kissed that center. Yes. Attention. She, she kissed her ass a little bit more than Nikki would ever want to do. And so Nikki, it, so Sammy learned how to use her humor. Um, just she, Sammy had friends, was a little bit more popular. And so I think, I think as they got older, uh, uh, Shelly didn't want Sammy to tell uh, her anybody like there was a there was yeah. more of a risk of that so she was a little bit nicer to sammy but Nick, she was watching nikki go through this and nikki guessed it, she was made to wallow maybe dozens of times in her life um then there came the locking up and shelly would not l lock nikki up for hours days weeks nikki thinks she actually spent an entire summer locked in the closet of her bedroom um, but this is where she learned to read her. She learned to love to read. She read everything that was, that was stored in like all the crime novels, all the romance novels. She read everything that was in that closet. Sammy wouldn't be allowed to speak to her, but would have to empty the bucket that she was given to go to the bathroom in. Um, and th that just had to be a quick transaction. Um, for Nikki, it was, she was locked up. Yes, it was a prison. Yes, but she wasn't being made to wallow and she wasn't being beaten on. So there was a, she saw the like silver lining okay. to that. I know. To prefer to be locked up because, is, mm -hmm. is, is, oh my gosh, I can't imagine so as being a child. I know. So then she'd be let out and then make Shelly mad again and be forced back into her closet. And one time Shelly tried to beat Nikki and Nikki ran, which pissed her off. And then, Shelly slammed her head against the wall and there was a protruding nail and went into Nikki's skull and it sort of like shocked her and she's, you know, she didn't start crying right away, but it scared the hell out of, out of Shelly. And that was like the one time that there was no, there was one other time, there was one other time that it didn't happen here but it was one other time that Shelly actually, it was when she ran through a glass door um, and was cut all over that Shelly actually apologized. It was, that was the one time, but she also said, look what you made me do. Why did you make me do that? That was always, that was always her. Yeah. Like, why did you make me do that? Don't do that. You know, um, she probably should have gone to the ER but uh, Shelly would have never have allowed that because she would have had to explain all the other bruises and marks and things like that on on um, any of her girls' bodies. You know, all the bruises from the cords and things like that. Yeah. 
Um, in the summer of 1988, Shane Watson, the son of Shelley's brother, Paul, who was the wild one and, you know, was in lots and lots of trouble. Um, uh, he had a kid. He was a mess on drugs, was on the run. Anyway, he... he the he, kid or Paul? Paul. Okay. Um, Sh- Shane was about 13 at this point. Everybody was like, oh, well, Shelley would be a great house for this kid to be in. And so Shane at 13... thought that that would be a good house? Everybody else, because that nobody knew anything. The girls never said anything bad about their mom. So then... Or stressing me out. I know, I'm so sorry. And I'm trying to go so fast. So he was 13. He began to call Shelly and Dave, mom and dad, really right away. Because he didn't have that before. And everything was hunky-dory at the beginning. Really, it was a stable home to him for a minute. For a hot second. Because Shelly was all sunshine and roses, right? Rainbows everywhere at first. But then he got to learn the other side. And he learned it. <clears throat> excuse me. He learned it really, really quickly. He learned early. You don't want to make this woman mad. This is someone to fear. Um, he became the chore boy. Um, and not really getting to enjoy being a kid. He had a very long list of to-dos, um, on, on a very long list of, of honeydew, <laughs> that list. Yeah. Um, but he started to piss Shelly off for whatever reason. Um, for whatever reason, there's yeah. never a reason. Um, and then the, excuse me, and then the shit hit the fan at that point and he was already sleeping in the basement, which smelled like diesel. Um, but he did have a bed and he did have his clothes and he did have his things. Um, but he start she started to take away those things. And then he started to get his clothes taken away. And then the showers, uh, got taken away. And then the bed got taken away. Um, it would have been, it was just the weekly shower at that point. And then that would even get, uh, you know, that may not even happen it got to the point where uh, it wasn't until a surprise visit from Laura when she was like, I want to see where the kids sleep, that she saw the state of Shane's room. And Laura, and Shelly was like, I just haven't gotten around to it. And she's like, Jesus, Shelly, here's the money. Go get them a... Can I, can I ask a question? Mm. These kids are in public school and yes. they're only taking weekly showers yes. and no one is yes. concerned about their hygiene or yes. why? Yes. All of that. I know. I know. So Shelly focused in on Shane and, uh, 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 and Nikki and started punishing them together. She could see that there was like a, a common bond between them. They weren't, they weren't far apart in age. Um, but because of Shelly's like you two are going to be my punching bags. They started like there, there became this bond. Like we're going to talk bad about Shelly. We're going to like, why is your mom so fucking crazy? I don't know. You know, they, yeah. would, we should put a radio in her bathtub, you know, that kind of like they, they talked about leaving. They talked about kind of stuff anyway, but she used to use nudity as a form of abuse and would make them like strip naked and then slow dance in front of the family while they just cried. Um, she would she would p- strip Shane down, wrap his ankles and wrists with duct tape, put him by the front door, and rub icy hot on his penis. 
she would put them outside and make them sit. She was obsessed with nudity, um, but the cruelty was the point. The, yeah. the the dehumanization, the inability to run away if you're nude. That sort of you know the the that sort that was the point of yeah. it. Um, in Christmas of 1988, um, Shelley was 34 and pregnant with her third baby, and this one with Dave. Okay, so third baby, third husband, she announced that Kathy Loreno, the witness at her wedding, would be moving in. And Kathy was this super sweet, very loyal, and caring friend of Shelley's. She was the hairstylist, um, um, and she would do all the girls' hair all the time. She would, you know, perm their hair. This is big in that time. Um, she did everything for her mom and had tried to, like, more than she should have. Her sister would say, like, her mom really used her. And finally, Shelly was like, I'm going to work at a salon and I'm going to get my own place. And but they, she was living in a town that if you didn't grow up there and you didn't have a network there and you, you were kind of shy, like that was going to be really hard to build clientele. So right away, like money started to be an issue. She lost the home. She didn't, you know, there was just one thing after another. And so in comes Shelly as the savior and it's like, you could come even with me. I'm pregnant and I have cancer and I could really use your help. And of course, Kathy's like, absolutely. I love you. Thank you so much. And you don't have to pay rent. I could just really use your help around the house. And, um, uh, you know, so she, at first, it, again, that there was that honeymoon period and, um, Kathy was super happy to be of service and to be of help. And she was, she was like, nobody works harder than your mom, girls. Why can't you guys be nicer to her? Her mom didn't work. Her mom watched TV and ate bonbons, like yeah. literally. Um, but so baby Tori, the third baby was born in 1989. And Dave thought that she was a miracle baby because she was born to a woman going through years and years and years of chemo. These people thought she was going to chemotherapy treatment. Dave was taking her to the hospital. And I say this later, but Dave was taking her to the hospital and waiting in the car because she was so proud. She didn't want him coming. What a fucking extravagant lie. God. And she's such a manipulator. And it's he so didn't know bizarre. anything about anything. And he'd be like, she's there all day getting chemo. And Laura was like, chemo doesn't take all day, Dave. What was she doing in the hospital all day? She would go out the back door and probably go to the movies. Go shopping. Go wherever and would leave him in the waiting room and then would show back up. Okay, ready to go home. Just spend the day doing whatever she wanted. Anyway, so since she was a preemie, um, Tori was, uh, she told, Shelly told everyone that Tori had underdeveloped lungs and that, um, uh, the, the doctor sent her home with like a heart monitor and a special bed with like monitor, you know, like yeah. alarms should anything happen. Because when she first brought Tori home, Tori stopped breathing. And then they had to rush her to the hospital and they're like, huh, maybe she has like some kind of thing. And so they sent her home with all the monitors. Well, she had to sleep in the living room next to the crib and, 
every time, every night, the monitors would go off and the older girls would come running down. Is she okay? Is she okay? And there would Kathy be like bouncing the baby. Oh, she's fine now, girls. I got her. I, she's okay now. I have her. I have her. I have her. One night, Nikki comes down and she sees Shelly with a pillow over baby Tori's face. And when Shelly notices that Nikki's standing there, she turns around, sees Nikki, and was like, she's okay now. Everything's okay. But the alarms hadn't gone off yet. And at that moment, Nikki was like, she's fucking doing that same thing. She wondered, she was like, I wonder if Sammy had that same, same memory. Like, she didn't tell anybody. Yeah. But she's like, holy shit, my mom was trying to kill the little sister. But she was getting all the attention. She was a, Dave would even say she was a great baby mom. Like, that was when, that was like, that was the sweet spot when they're babies. Cause everybody's like, oh, look at your beautiful baby. Oh my God, she looks just like you. Blah, 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 blah. Right. You get all the kind of gushing attention. But yeah. when they get older, they're like, oh, that's your kid. All right. Yeah. You know, nobody pays that much attention to you anymore. It's like, that's your kid. Like, yeah. it's not a big deal. So she loved that attention, positive or not, positive or not. Um, anyway, so Kathy did what she could to help Shelly. She cooked, she cleaned, she took care of the kids, helped them with their homework, the whole thing. But then she'd piss Shelly off and that, that honeymoon period ended right away. And the same punishments that she'd been using on her kids on others started to happen to Kathy and she started to take the brunt of her punishments and the kids sort of moved to the background, but not a hundred percent. They were still, Shane was um, still focused on Nikki was still a focus, but really it was really all on Kathy. And then she would make Shane also step in. Sorry. When Dave wasn't around to uh, punish Kathy um, and so she used her children. She was a very passive abuser um, because she could tell them what to do, whatever yeah. she wanted them to do. Um, she So they ended up doing a lot of the abusing um, or participating in it in some, in some way. Um, she, was, she made Kathy do chores around the house naked. And Kathy was a bigger girl. Kathy was very, very tall, but she was also like a bigger girl. Um, and uh, she would keep, Kathy from eating by, by saying that she was sleep eating, like sleepwalking and eating. And she would say like, you're a fucking pig, Kathy, like blah, blah. This is why you can't lose any weight. Cause you're sleeping, eating in your sleep and this kind of stuff. And yeah. just really was a horrible, horrible thing. Um, they say that, um, uh, uh, Kathy lost in, 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 uh, excess of over a hundred pounds. Uh, based on on a photo there is a photo that does exist of her um naked doing doing chores in the house and so there's a before photo and and uh during that so she, you could tell she was a she had just become um very very sick yeah. uh living in that house the kids um she started to make Kathy ride in the trunk of the family's car and they would keep her there while they went and did whatever. She would lock Kathy in the closet if anybody came over. And Kathy sort of 
was being controlled not just by her fear of Shelly, but also by the drugs that Shelly was giving her. And they didn't really know what those drugs were. And Shane and Nikki had gone in to investigate, but there was anything from uh, like, uh, not lorazepam, uh, there was Prozac. There was just, there was all kinds of drugs, like things I've never even heard of. Um, And so she was just, every time something happened, Shelly was just giving her another pill. Um, You know, like they, if she, if they would say, Oh, I have a headache, Shelly would give them a pill. And so like, even now as adults, they're like, you know, what am I taking? What is this? Yeah. You know, it's like, there's like a, there's a fear of what, of taking anything just for pain. There's that, that sort of trigger. Um, so she, like I said, she lost over a hundred, um, pounds they would make her sit in the trunk and they would go do laundry and they'd be like, the kids would be like, Kathy, are you okay? Yeah, I'm okay. How's the weather out there? It's nice. It's nice. Kind of a mild day. Oh, great. We're almost done. Okay. I'm okay. And just, just dwindled as a human. Um, at this point, so, Kathy's dwindling as a human. The, ki- the All three kids are now born. They move to an even more secluded home in Dave's hometown of Raymond, Washington. Um, this is when Kathy wasn't allowed uh, showers inside anymore. She was hosed down outside in any kind of weather. Shelly took to using bleach instead of soap when she would hose her down and to take the bleach to all the wounds would cause her Mm. to just scream in pain. And Shelly would, you know, tell her she was a filthy pig and would just be. Yes. She would call her a filthy pig and tell her to clean up. And then she would be like, doesn't that feel so much better after it was all over? Sweet, sweet voice. Kathy did try to escape several times. um, But again, Shelly would hunt her down and like she did everybody else, um, she even made a run for it naked, uh, but she couldn't escape. Uh, she would be talked back into coming home, sometimes in front of other people. Um, she just couldn't, uh, she just wasn't strong enough anymore to stand up for herself. She used to fight back, and then she couldn't anymore. Um, she wasn't 100% there because of A, the drugs, malnutrition severe beatings, all those things. Um, Now, Dave, for his part, I haven't really talked too much about him, but Dave, for his part, was working day and night to pay for Shelly and her spending. Still the same. Uh, But he was also disappearing. I'm sure this is for self-preservation. He worked hard at a very physically demanding job. He was in, like, the, the logging kind of industry. He barely slept and would work many, 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 many hours would try to sleep at work or sleep in his truck. Um, then he'd have to drive hours home um, for the weekend and he'd take caffeine pills. He was doing like no dose or whatever to stay awake. And that made him crazy too. So he was being beat down emotionally, mentally, and then physically by his own lack of sleep and his, his grueling job and the, and the driving Um, But he saw less and less of Kathy every time he went home for the weekends. And meanwhile, Shelly was still getting her cancer treatments and Laura was calling her out on her bullshit. Like, Dave, this is not, he was, she was trying to convince everybody 
so Laura um, actually made a surprise visit and, or no, not a surprise visit, but Laura went to go visit around the time where she was saying, Dave, she's lying to you. Um, and Shelly answered the door and I fucking kid you not with shaved eyebrows so that it looked like she had lost all of her hair and with like white cake makeup on so that she, she the way that Laura described it was like, like a kabuki mm-hmm. actress, right? Like w- w- just, she looked ridiculous and she'd answer the door. Hi, oh, I'm so sick. And she still looked like a healthy person. She still had all the hair on her head. She didn't go bald. Yeah. But she just lost her eyebrows. Right. Um, it was so dumb. Anyway, so Shane was now 16, was beginning to fail in his classes and school. Shocker. His clothes were not great or clean. Um, barely, and they were almost the same clothes every day. He smelled. He was oily. He was still doing manual labor at the house. Um, and so he was pretty bad. He went from being like the cool new kid to being the weird kid and the outcast. Um, and so he was, nobody said anything. No teacher ever stepped in. Jesus Christ. So he was still being punished. Uh, he was being used to punish Kathy as well, much in the same way that Dave used to when he was around a lot. So he was sort of the, he sort of stepped in as Dave, um, what Shelly wanted to happen happened and Kathy knew the kids couldn't help her. There was actually empathy in her eyes. They would say later, like, I know you can't help me because if you help me, it'll be bad for you. And there was sort of like a resignation for her. Like there's nothing you can do for me and that's okay. Um, it's, it, it's just, it's so sad. Um, but as Shane ramped up his abu- ramped up his abuse of Kathy, he started to formulate a way for him to escape. He would talk to Nikki all about it. I'm ready to leave, but when I when I say it's time to go, if you're going to come with me, come with me. And she would say, "Don't go without me." So like they sort of had this pact, right? Um, Kathy continued to decline and was moved inside the house at that point because she was living in an outside house. And, um, she was deteriorating at that point though. And they couldn't stop it. They, I, I, they don't know what kind of drugs she was on. The kids don't know. Yeah. Um, but she did end up dying, um, in the back room of their house. Um, and Shelly told Dave to wait till she got all of the kids out of the house. And they went to go stay in a motel for a few days. And at that point, um, Dave burned, uh, Kathy's body in a burn pit in the backyard and um, no evidence was left behind. He took whatever ashes were there, spread them um, on, on two different beaches and on the gravel road. And it's just, it's gone. Um, Kathy's family was told that she went off with a man named Rocky, that Shelly would uh, mail herself postcards from Kathy from all over like the West coast uh, to make up for, um, to give a little evidence of that. Um, but there was a problem. Shelly took pictures of Kathy dead and Shelly took, Shelly took pictures of Kathy dead and Shane found one and had it and showed it to Nikki. They killed Kathy and I'm taking this to the police. And Nikki turned him in to Shelly. Oh my God. Why? She was scared. She was scared because it was going to tear apart the entire family. Um, And I don't know that she's ever forgiven herself for that, but um, 
at that point, Shelly was like, Dave, Shane is going to ruin this family. He's going to turn us in and we're going to all go to jail and this, that, and the other. And so she convinced Dave to kill the boy that called him dad and went outside. And um, while Shane was working in the shed, uh, shot him with a rifle in the back of the head. And suddenly Shane was gone. Um, Shelly told everyone that he hopped on a boat to a fishing boat in Alaska, which was a real popular thing back then. I don't know if you kind of remember that, that time, like come go to Alaska on a fishing boat and earn lots of money. Um, and at, Nikki and the girls knew, well, Nikki really knew that Shane would have never done that without yeah. telling them. She just didn't have any proof. Um, but all of a sudden Shane was gone. So, um, at this point, um, both Nikki and Sammy told later that they had started to, they, each of them had tried to commit suicide, um, and failed at this point, like to, uh, you know, not too far apart from one another, but each of them did not know that this was happening. Like yeah. they each had their, their issues. Um, Nikki began to be separated from her sisters. Shelly was convincing the younger ones that Nikki was bad and a bad influence. Um, and they shouldn't talk to her anymore. Nikki just had to get through school. She had a focus. She's like, I'm going to go to school. I'm going to go to college. I'm going to get out of here. I'm going to have my own life. And so she was very laser focused. Just survive high school. And, and then you can leave. Like, just get out of here. Um, that was her plan. So in 1993, Nikki graduated um, and after a setback or three, um, managed to move in with her grandmother, Laura, um, Shelly for her part, kept trying to get Nikki to come home. And so she, so she could control her. She has a child who has just been abused her entire life out on the outside. She's going to tell somebody yeah. it's just, um, just, just a matter of time. She's going to tell somebody. Um, and so they tried to intimidate her to come home. They would get her fired from jobs. They would throw rocks through the like ice cream shop that she worked in. They were like, there was no way they were going to let her live on the outside, but she was not deterred. She was not scared. And, um, she, she did not, um, she did not go home, but she also did not really have a, a relationship with her sisters either. Um, so Sammy eventually also left for college, um, uh, graduated high school, left for college, um, and so Tori was home alone with Shelly and she was no longer at this point allowed to, or able to escape the punishments that her older sisters had, had gone through. So now she's it. There's no Shane. There's no Kathy. There's no Nikki. There's no Sammy. She was it. She was, she was left, she was left alone. Um, it started simple enough. Shelly, as when she was like in elementary school, Shelly would tear up whatever work was supposed to go back to school and oh you're just gonna have to do it over again i guess you know just little fucking trolling kind of things just would yeah. make her lose her mind like i know i did this like where is it you know and shelly just ugh, she was awful um when she was eight the real physical abuse started um and the emotional abuse and the screaming always the screaming so Tori hit puberty. Shelly would check her progress, would make her strip naked, and she would check her progress. It's just 
humiliating. She'd like to see how she was developing, told her she needed to cut off her pubic hair for her baby book. Um, just disgusting stuff. In 2000, um, another person entered the no tech household, Ron Woodworth. And I'm, uh, you can tell that I'm sort of speeding through this end part of, because it's sort of like a repetition. I, I don't need, you've heard enough of the abuse. Um, so he was a sweet older gay man, um, who was really down, down on his luck. He'd just broken up with, um, his partner of many years. He was very depressed. And then here comes Shelly swooping in to save some other wayward soul. And once again, she, it was great at first and yes, Shelly dear. And thank you, Shelly dear. Would you like some pasta Shelly dear? And it was all fun and games until it wasn't. And, um, the pattern of abuse that I've talked way too long about has started all over again, but on Ron and Shelly was at this time helping elderly people. Oh my God. I don't know how she was allowed to do that, but she was doing that to make ends meet, but also trying to get on their good sides so that she could be put into their will, which is just what happens when Shelly started working with them with an older man named Mac. And she was just the sweetest thing. She let Mac win at card games. He didn't have any family. He just had a dog. And so um, when Ron started to piss Shelly off so much, she was drugging him. She was starving him. She was nudity. All of that just wore this poor man down. She said, you know what? I'm tired of you. Go and live with Mac and take care of Mac. Well, at some point, Mac dies. And Shelly blames um, Ron for, for it, um, that he had a fall. He was very old. He had a fall. Um, I, do I believe that Shelly did it? Yes. But there's just no proof Who of that. The, fall? the old man, Mac. Mac. Okay. So Mac had put the house to goes to Shelly and gave her $8,800 to help take care of the dog for the rest of the dog's life. Well, Yes. I'm not even going to say it because it upsets you so much. So she got $8,800 um, right away and she, she had the house. And so she sort of kind of kept Ron at this house. Now there was a whole other side story with Ron. She really separated him from his family. She just isolated him. She made his whole family hate him and started this fight. And so she, he was really just, he was on his own. Um, and, uh, and Shelly took advantage of that. Um, it took years now. It took years after this is all, this is all going on right now, all going on. Um, and it wasn't until 2001. So now Nikki has already been gone for many, many years, right? Nikki tells Laura the truth about Shelly. Um, and when she did, Laura convinced her to tell the authorities and she did that too. But the police were kind of like, uh, what's, is this, this kind of sounds so crazy, so far fetched. And they didn't really do anything about it. They didn't know she was telling the truth. So when Shelly had no more use for this deteriorating old man, she, um, let live on her floor, by the way, he didn't even sleep in a bed. She couldn't, he couldn't take a shower. He couldn't use the bathroom. He couldn't all the same shit. Um, uh, Shelly picked up the paychecks 
that Ron was helping, you know, with Mac and all that kind of stuff. She was, she just really used him up. Uh, and on, uh, like I said, uh, Mac dies on February 9th, 2002. And on March 19th of 2002, a deputy finally reaches out to Laura after, after Nikki had gone to the police. They finally reach out to Laura and she says, finally, well, let me tell you, I bet she killed Mac. Probably the dog too. And this is what's happening. Um, so they go out over to Laura's house and they see Ron um, and they go to Laura's house. They go to, I mean, sorry, they go to Shelly's oh. house and they see Ron and Ron's like, Oh shit. They're going to think I killed Mac because that's what Shelly's been telling him. So he makes a run for it. And there's just, I mean, it is such a, he's in his underwear in the front yard. And they're just like, why is there just a naked man? Right. Like what's happening? Like it, it doesn't, none of it makes sense. And yeah. so they're anyway. So just like Kathy, a decade before him, Shelly made Ron disappear. Um, she told, so wait, they show up, they see this man and they just let it go. Yeah. They're like, oh, well he's, you know, she kind of spins this tale. I'm telling you, the story goes, this story is so convoluted and it's so big and please read the book. (laughs) I know I'm like, this is the longest episode ever. It's fine. It's just, it's not the length of the time. It's just crazy that these people keep believing her mm-hmm. and that so many people just let all of these weird red flags go like these poor children and this man standing in the front lawn like they just let it go like it's not a big deal so shelly makes ron disappear she told tori that he moved to tacoma that he met a man and moved to tacoma she told him she told tori if you ever say a word about ron i'm gonna you know disown you and like that was a real threat uh, Shelly hid Ron in the outside freezer to wait until Dave, uh, came home from the, for the weekend and Dave ever the loyal husband, uh, took care of Ron by burying him in the backyard this time because, you know, burn ban. So couldn't have a burn pit. Meanwhile, in Seattle, Sammy had a surprise for Tori. So Sammy was sort of the middle child was now having conversations with Nikki, had a relationship with Nikki, and had a relationship with Tori, which Nikki did not have. And so surprises, because now Ron needs to be dispersed, just, you know, t- taken care of. This is when Shelly's like, you know what, you go up to Seattle and you hang out with your big sister, Sammy. So Sammy uses this opportunity. That's very trusting of someone like Shelly, in my mind. Well, Sammy's the golden child. So she doesn't think that Sammy is in touch with Nikki at all um, because she thinks that she's convinced the two other daughters not to talk to her. So Sammy says, you're going to talk to your sister, Nikki. And all of a sudden, all the light bulbs start going off and they're like, Sammy had no idea. She'd always ask, always ask Tori, is anything happening? And, you know, Tori didn't really know how to answer that. Like, that's fine. Like she didn't really get it. Um, because every time she would abuse like the, the pubic hair thing or the, let me check your progress thing, all of those little things, she would say, your sisters, let me do it. Your sisters, let me do it. And so she was like, Oh, okay, this is normal. And then when Nikki was like, okay, has she ever made you get naked in front of her? Yes. 
Has she ever done this? Yes. Has she ever done that? Yes. And it started to occur to Tori at that moment. Oh my God. And it scared Nikki and it scared Sammy because they didn't know. They didn't, they thought she was saved. But when they started to ask questions about Ron, when they started to find things out like that, they were like, Tori, can you make it through high school? You have three more years. Can you make it through high school? And she's like, fuck no, get me out of here. <laughs> like she's, like, yeah, I mean, cause she's the last me. one standing. She now. is the last one standing. And she's like, fuck no, I want out of this. This is awful. And so Sammy and Nikki have to sort of like gather all of their strength and their might and their will to go and they go back to the police and they do it together. Now that they're together, they're telling the same story they told the police department before. They told the same thing. <coughs> Excuse me. I'm so sorry. I need to take a, take a drink. So they go to the authorities and they're like, they're coming for you. Just hang tight. Well, it doesn't happen like immediately. It's not like within an hour, you know? So she's just like, oh, I can't hold it in. Like she's trying not to give it away, but she's like, she's ready to go. So the authorities show up to take her out of the house. No one's arrested yet. They're taking her out. She's they're like, Tori yes, they're taking Tori out. By the way, check the freezer. She's trying to like give them hints. Like you might want to look for the camping gear that was whatever. So she's trying to give them as she's walking out as many clues to what was happening um, as she as she possibly could. So they were begging for the police to give Tori back. Shelly sends Dave to the police department. Dave, bring home Tori. So they're like, sure. Okay. We'll help you give get Tori, but you have to answer some questions first. And so he's like, okay. And so without a lot of fanfare, he starts talking and he starts admitting. Um, and he caved, he went to the police station and all of a sudden he's like, so yeah, I burned the bodies and I'm this sure is what I did with him. them. Um, yes. Get away. I mean, anything to get away from Shelly on. So, um, he told enough information to the officers to land him in jail but didn't uh um didn't do the like the what is it called where he didn't give a a spousal immunity he you know like he didn't break that part but he took them to the house and he says oh by the way this is where i shot shane in the shed and this is where i burned the bodies and this is where i buried ron so he's saying all of these things. He's showing them. They did. They dug Ron up. Um, in February of, uh, and this is where they found the photos of how much Kathy had lost and she was naked on the floor doing chores. You know, obviously yeah. not healthy. Yeah. Um, in February of 2004, Dave Notek was sentenced to a little under 15 years in prison for his role in the crimes and for he was given some leniency for sort of handing over that information, being willing to work with the authorities and things like that. Um, he was also a victim of the abuse. He, he was unable even now to really function as a, as a regular human. 
Um, he, he, he didn't sleep. He was, he, he, he was very much, um, uh, very much that in that manipulative, like manipulated person, um, and didn't really know fact from his, what he was trying to tell himself yeah. was the situation, you know? And so I think that that was sort of that kind of, he was, he, there was a lot of tear. He looked remorseful. He looked sad about it. I, I think that, that, that probably is true for him. But I think that he's probably having to tell himself that his wife wasn't as much of a monster too. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's probably hard. That, that's probably hard to swallow. Um, to think about that somebody would do that to your child and you were okay with it, you know? Yeah. Um, okay. So, uh, he was released in 2016 and lives in on the Washington coast and he has a very manual labor kind of job. Um, uh, he's much too old to be doing that kind of stuff, but there he is. So Shelly ended up taking the Alfred plea, which is if you remember the staircase, um, that's what that guy took the Alfred plea. There's enough evidence to convict me. So I'm not going to plead guilty, but I'm going to take the Alfred plea. So I'm going to be sent to jail. So I'm not officially admitting guilt, yeah. but I'm not going to go through with the trial because I'll get convicted. So she ended up getting, um, uh, um, she ended up getting like 25 years or so. She was supposed to get out this June, this June, uh, but she didn't have a place to go. And that was one of the, the terms of her release. Um, Cause who would fucking want her. Right. And, um, and so she wasn't released. Thank. I don't, I'm almost surprised she hadn't manipulated a pin pal of some sort, you know, like to get her to, she wasn't cute. Place. No mo. <laughs> she was not cute no mo. I think she was also taking those pills because she was kind of fucking crazy. Um, so he, she still refuses to take any responsibility for what happened. She actually blames Nikki and Shane for um Kathy's death. Uh she blames everyone but herself. May she forever rot in hell. I think the next time she's up is, you know, next year, but um they're whatever. As for the sisters. They are all fucking flourishing. That's so Thank awesome. God. So their mother, although just this much closer to being out of prison, um, could not break the sisterhood that bonded them. And I wrote this today. So I was like re writing this part um, and I felt sort of like poetic about it. But this is what I wrote. Nikki's living in a million dollar home in the Seattle Seabur suburbs with her husband and children. Sammy's a teacher and living in her hometown where all of that shit happened. But she's still funny and she also has a home full of children and Tori is living in Oregon doing social media for a really large uh, company in the hospitality industry. Good and for them. All three are incredibly successful. All three are still close and all three fight to keep their mom behind bars. And that's it. Oh my gosh. Good so read them. those goddamn answers because yes. we need a laugh. <laughs> Oh my. It's so rare that you hear that the children in that kind of abuse they are turn out I mean without a lot of Nikki is know. doing so great. And so they were the ones that said, Hey Greg, can you can you um can you do this this story? And so he he did this story for them and 
in hopes, I think, of making sure she stays behind bars. Okay, I'm going to read the answers. Did you post it on your Facebook as well? or just? I think I did. Let me pull it up. I'm going to read the answers and then we'll play the series. Okay. Sorry, it was so long, guys. No. <laughs> as everyone says, quit apologizing. I know. Um, the other Ashley says, I am Ashley, which of the old church fear me Ooh. because I can't remember. <laughs> Chuck says, I am Chuck, which of a thousand thieves fear me because I know what you are talking about. Oh. Uh, Samara, I am Samara, which of the left fear me because I have a lot to say. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Get it, girl. Uh, Jennifer says, I am Jennifer, which of the sun fear me because I have no fever. Sarah, Sarah says, I am Sarah, witch of the church in the Lord. Fear me because I have to be so happy for him. That's kind of boring and creepy at the same time. <laughs> um, Nikki says, I am Nikki, which of my family fear me because you don't want me. <laughs> Laura says, I am Laura, which of course fear me because you don't have a lot of time. Oh, that's creepy. Uh, Kathy I am Kathy, which of the most important things fear me because I was so excited. <laughs> Lisa says, I am Lisa, which of the fact fear me because you have to. And then Amy oh says, <laughs> I am Amy, which of a friend fear me because of her love. Um, but I feel like we're missing someone. here. I thought I saw a lot more. Hold on. No, I think that that's. No, no, I, I, I'm sorry. Um, one moment because I'm almost positive. Oh, Trevor. I don't see that on mine. So I am Trevor. Which of the fallen one? Oh, which of the fallen ones fear me because I come bringing vengeance. Damn. Oh. What are you talking about? Are you texting about like the house of Targaryen or something? <laughs> I don't know. And you, and you did I Amy. Like was more. Oh, yeah, I did. That's it. Okay, that was the last me. one. Okay. That was the last one. Yay. Yay! Thank you, everybody. Those are so funny. <laughs> I needed to. I needed to just like giggle. That, was, that I went so fast, and I know everybody's going to be like, "You can't put that on the faster setting to get through the episode oh because no it's." One is gonna I was already speaking so quickly. I swear to God, I when I did this, it was like forty-two point seven minutes, and now it's like an hour and forty-two minutes. <laughs> Are you ready for Sarah's voicemail? I am. Let's play it. I'm so nervous. <laughs> hey, y'all. It's Sarah, Sarah with another Sarah, Sarah segment. I have to tell you a funny story that Kat already knows about, and I'm sure she might have already told Ashley, but I was publicly recognized last week for my Sarah, Sarah segment <laughs> on y'all's podcast, and I about died. So anyways, I had to come on here and brag and make sure that I kept my weekly streak going. So I will talk to y'all again next week. Okay. Bye. That is so awesome that she was recognized. We were at the women's conference in Galveston. Of all places to be recognized. And we were talking to someone who owns a spa at the mall and one of her employees. And she said... Your voice sounds really familiar. Are you Sarah from Sarah Sarah Segment? <laughs> oh my god! I was like, thank you so much for listening. That's the best story. For Sarah, I'm sure that was a great story for Sarah at the women's conference. We where it's about 
died. You have no, we were, I was like, we were so, I, I think my face turned red. Sarah was just like so flattered. And I was like, Jason's like, did Sarah really create her own segment? That's really, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean. <laughs> Sarah, Sarah is famous for her Sarah, Sarah segment. And I love it. All right, you guys, thank you guys so much for listening. Yes, thank you. Um, you know how to get in touch with us like us review us follow us share us please and if you have any story ideas share them throw them our way we're happy to do it or you end up with a two-hour show just like today <laughs> yay we will not be recording next week because we will be jason and i will be in new york for the emmys <laughs> um, so wish us luck we're hoping um uh, jason gets a national emmy this year for his down to earth an astronaut's perspective on hulu if you have it we're so excited the short 30 minute documentary about nasa and astronauts and stuff anyway um thanks you guys we love you we'll see you in a couple of weeks and uh, until then wish us luck and be kind to one another and we'll see you next week or two weeks bye, bye. bye.